Yo, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome back to another installment of the Caffeine Aside podcast. Um, regrouping today on a special episode, special feature. Um, if you read issue two of the magazine, you'll be familiar with Bobby King of No Masters Coffee. What's up? Joined by a very special guest today. Um, we just kind of wanted to get together and talk about uh, Starbucks, Howard Schultz, the union, what's going on, what's happening, what's the current state of events. Woo. So um, I invited Bobby King of No Masters Coffee over due to your previous experience in unions that we had talked about for the magazine, right? I remember. Yep. That's how I knew it. So yeah, if you're familiar with anything going on right now, there's a huge pushback from partners. If you don't already know, Starbucks calls its employees <laughs> partners because the theory is in practice that they are business partners because Starbucks employees are entitled to stock and benefits. And it's sort of like a mental, a mentality of working together to uphold the business. And for full transparency, my first like real stepping stone in a coffee was being a closing supervisor at Starbucks down in the Long Beach closing area. Closing partner. Closing partner. Yeah, I was a closing partner. <laughs> closing supervising partner at Starbucks. Five days a week, this down bad Starbucks just needed someone to close their doors and count the cash five days a week. So that was me. And, you know, when I was, I think, 23 going on 24 into that job, I didn't know any better. I didn't know rights in the workplace or anything. And that was because I was coming from a job at Chipotle where I was, you know, our supervisor would clock us out 30 minutes be before we even left and just say, oh, like, I clocked you guys out already. Whenever you guys are done, like, you you're ready to go. So a lot of workplace abuse, a lot of things that were just normalized. That was, I mean, in a very literal sense, I guess, slavery. Um, Coming off of that, I started at Starbucks with just the expectation of like, you know, I moved out to California by myself on my own money. So it was either like, I have to survive. So whatever this job entails, I am going to do it. So it was just kind of this cutthroat mentality that I was so broken from Chipotle that, you know, my first month at Starbucks, it was like working through 30 minute breaks to count the inventory. Let me count these frozen, disgusting lemon loaves for 30 minutes instead of taking my own time, my own 30 minutes, my own tens, because I have to meet the expectations so that I can survive by myself in this cruel world <laughs> type of mentality. But yeah, so I guess to recap, um, Bobby, if you could kind of, from your perspective, we, I mean, both, neither of us are experts. So take everything we say just with the understanding that we're kind of like learning <laughs> along with everybody else we're not union experts or business experts or anything but bobby if you can kind of just fill us in as someone who i don't know just tell us about your background in terms of like unions and kind of your take on what's going on right now so it, it was funny that you you had reached out to me about this because i don't know anything about starbucks really uh except that we all know somebody who works at a starbucks and they'll let you know that they work at a starbucks so uh, I've heard kind of like, oh, yeah, we're going to be unionizing um, from friends in California that work at stores. 
uh, and then you reached out to me saying, hey, let's let's talk about unions. I know you have uh, experience. So my experience was the past 13 years I had worked uh, six of them as a union employee and then the other seven of them managing union employees. So I went to the dark side. I actually referred to those seven years at the same career as the dark side and being on the dark side as Your part dark of management. past. Yeah, the dark past. It was like the good side, the bad side, you know, uh, like rebels versus the like Sith and bad, you know, everything kind of Jedi, Sith, etc. right? So that balance of good and evil. Um, with my 13 years there, it was under Teamsters, which is a catch-all union. So um, you had mentioned that your dad worked for the same union in a completely and entirely different field, which is uh, ironic in itself in a weird way because it's like here's a union is supposed to be members of a similar labor group organizing together uh, to protect their rights. However, he was a truck driver. I was a mechanic electrician at airports. Um, so what you start to kind of realize is that unions might actually be just their own independent businesses in themselves. Um, over the course of 13 years, I was protected by the union heavily. I was screwed over by the union heavily. I was laughed at um, with three other people in front of 2,000 people when we were asking for uh, a little, like, a grandfathering clause as we were signing contracts. Uh, and those, those were supposed to be your union brothers. When you're in the union, you refer to everybody as your brother or your sister. Uh, so, yeah. And then having to manage it on the other end of it where you would find people sleeping on the job or find people just not working for four hours during their shift and simply just ask them, hey, can you do work? And then them immediately say, I'm going to get the union on you. So kind of like interesting dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, you reached out to me about Starbucks. So I spent a little bit of time educating myself around Starbucks. Yeah, I guess I, I want to help. Yeah, the, cur <laughs> the current affairs. Yeah, I want to yeah. help kind of like even for myself digest from yourself as a, someone who was a leader in that kind of workplace environment, like what it means tangibly for employees, AKA partners to come into a shift and be part of a union. So like, for example, like what I just brought up, like me coming into my first month at Starbucks, having a manager who was <laughs> fired for time fraud, not having the training I needed to uh, do inventory efficiently, to run the run the, the floor, run the business efficiently so that I was sacrificing my 30 minute break so that we could all clock out on time. So things like that where, you know, I didn't have a union. I didn't know there was any kind of way that I could, you know, fight for myself and fight for my right to a freaking basic human rights. I mean, like fair labor practice, like 30 minute break and a 10 minute break every two hours. Like I didn't or, know there or was being punched out early and actually yeah. having overtime if you're extending your shift. And right. There's exactly. so yeah, there's so many things. So right? like um, uh, unions are good. Yeah. Un unions are good only because employers and people are bad. Right. If everyone was just good, we wouldn't need unions. However, people want money. People want to exploit people. People want to milk the cow till it's dry. So we need unions to protect ourselves from bad people who are not really humans. Uh, in, my, in my opinion, it's like you have these people who are like, oh, yeah, like I give them a job. So then they owe more than their job to me or something along those lines, or, hey, I'm going to push this as far as I can uh, just so I can make more money, make more money. Yeah, that's a human that I'm exploiting, but you know what, my wallet is bigger. Uh, 
it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so like basically like since you were a leader in the union workplace, like for example, like if you were to estimate like or to guess like going forward with Starbucks, like situations like that where, you know, my, my break wasn't necessarily like accounted for and the, the training I didn't receive wasn't accounted for and just like it was like workplace neglect I guess the best way to put it so like how does that tangibly change in a environment where a union presence is there okay so I, I, I don't know what working at a Starbucks would be like but based off of your story that would be a, a drastic change right like uh, you, you you'd have leeway on your punch in your breaks would be on the clock and you would not be talked to during them. Uh, as, as a person in leadership, right? If I actually had an issue with a person and I needed to confront it, uh, even if they were in the wrong, right? 100% in the wrong, doing something that they shouldn't be doing and I'm their you know, supervisor, manager coming in to correct them, educate them, and you know, move to, forward together, I would be met with, oh, don't talk to me, talk to my shop steward don't talk to me. And, and so there, there's kind of this interesting dynamic of protection that's there all the way to the point of even saying, like, don't even have a conversation with me until my lawyer is president, which, which is, a, or my lawyer is present, which is essentially kind of like what the union becomes for the employee is like this independent lawyer that's going to work through you and a conduit based off of a contract that's con like created between the union and the actual company. And yeah, there's meeting in between and all that. Yeah, can we pause right there and explain, like, the conduit you're referring to is, as you just mentioned, the shop steward. What is the role of a shop steward and what do they do? Like, I know they represent the store and the union employees and, like, they kind of speak on behalf of them. But kind of, like, in your experience with dealing with shop stewards, so what is kind of the role? Uh, per the contract that's signed, right, so they call it like a collective bargaining agreement, meaning it's a collective, every single employee, even whether whether they said anything or not, whether they voted or not, if a majority is there, then it becomes this collective bargaining agreement. And in that, it's going to specify terms for what a shop steward is. Uh, so, you know, uh, where I worked, each shift had two shop stewards because there was uh, 30 plus people on each shift. Uh, it might look different for something like Starbucks where it's like each store has its own independent uh, shop steward. The shop steward is supposed to be a locally voted upon, like a democratic uh, representative that has specific time paid by the company to work for the union. Meaning uh, they, they might be flying out to the union headquarters and working there for uh, a week through training and that Starbucks is going to pay them for that week in training. They will then come back, um, know the contract in and out, know the actual rules and laws, uh, know it so well that employees really don't have to. They can lean on this person for guidance. Um, it's kind of a joke, but in my experience, I had shop stewards that knew contracts better than my peers that were supervisors and would actually use that to their advantage and leverage certain things against the supervisors uh, as far as, you know, entire shifts coming in five minutes late because they knew that the six minute was when it was actually bad, right? Because per that contract, you're given five minutes of leeway, but on the six minute, you can't. So next thing you know, you have a shop steward telling every single person there, hey, you don't actually have to start on time. Everyone can come in five minutes late. So entire shifts coming in five minutes mm -hmm. late. Um, 
just because they wanted to make a point to that supervisor that day, you know? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, going back to the role of the sh uh, shop store, uh, that person's going to be there for any sort of documented uh, discipline, any sort of processes that need to be talked about. So is that like a corrective action, like, oh, so-and-so? Because I experienced that at Chipotle and Starbucks. It's like, oh, so-and-so, like... I mean, people were like, they were like, yo, like, boss just gave me a write-up, said I was I was talking back. It's like, what? Like, what is this drama? <laughs> like, so in the case like that, like, is, a, is a shop steward there like, yo, like, you can't just, like, write someone, write someone up for having a snarky comment back to you in the middle of a morning rush because the drive-thru, you try to, like, crack the whip on them in the drive-thru or something. So, like, <laughs> this is where things start getting interesting, right? And this is where um, I do have, like, some uh, negative feelings and a little bit of hostility around unions in ways. Um, I, I've experienced, so me being a manager or a supervisor, finding a person completely out of their work area, uh, on their phone, had been sitting there, and I, I watched them from a distance for about 10 minutes, and I approached them because I knew that they weren't doing their job, they hadn't been doing their job, and when I'm like, hey, so we need to talk really quick, I need you to do your job, I'm not even approaching them for discipline, uh, the first thing they say is, listen, motherfucker, you're going to need the fucking shop steward, otherwise you can't fucking talk to me, and goes right back to their phone. And I said, hey, you can't actually talk to me that way. I was just going to have an informal sort of, hey, let's do this. But now that you said the word motherfucker, I'm going to actually pull you in on a discipline because you can't treat somebody like that. That ended up being a six-hour investigation in which no one got in trouble. Um, however, it was still documented that it happened. So therefore, if this person was to, uh, you know, potentially verbally harass their supervisor two more times they might then actually get a documented formal discipline which then goes on a point system which is essentially like hey i have like a driving point system right like oh i could say fuck you to my boss six times before they can suspend me kind of thing right so with that being said it, that whole situation of oh they talked back to me and i got written up uh, yeah, you could, like, the supervisor could try to do that, you know, but they're going to have to go through the union. They're going to have to get a shop steward. They're going to have to sit down, prove that it happened. After they prove that it happened, then it becomes, a, okay, let's work towards discipline. Are we trying to correct the action or are we trying to punish? And the idea with discipline, right, from a management role is you never want to punish a person. Although management's terrible and they're always punishing, you just want to correct behavior. And that, that, that was my, like, kind of my mantra, right? You're, we're not here to punish, we're here to correct. Uh, so it, it does kind of save management from falsely punishing people. However, it does give the employee a lot of leeway, almost to a point that, you know, as as management employee, you do get stressed. You get stressed at, like, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, but people get away with murder because they have a union protecting them, especially if it's a strong union, um, which Teamsters is, like, known for burying bodies and stuff like that, like... <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa. Shout out to Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa, this podcast is for you. <laughs> Great Chicago legend. But, yeah, like, so in terms of, like... I don't know, correcting behavior and all that. I like so Chipotle and Starbucks. I've been, you know, like we all have like that one coworker that's just like not really contributing, 
kind of just like does the least and you know like it's it's no secret like everybody knows it like yeah we all have like our our pros and cons to ourselves and we all have different sets of skills as yeah, I, individuals. I am a person at no masters yeah by the way. oh yeah <laughs> but you know i've definitely been around the starbucks and chipotle environment long enough to know that like Especially Starbucks with the management changes I've seen. You know, you get a new manager in, first they first thing they do is like start sniffing around and like, who do I want out? And like based on that, they'll you know, they'll be watching like it's almost like literally like they have eyes on the back of their heads. Like any kind of wrong move they'll find for a write up and it's the closer they can get you to that third one, they're gonna take any opportunity just to get you out. So like I feel like what you're speaking on in terms of like the the due process and corrective behavior and, and write up, so to say, situations like that wouldn't happen because as an article I found on, on Vox earlier, they're just kind of saying that Starbucks is is the judge and jury of their own environment and without a union. So with a union, you need, like you're saying, evidence, due process, investigation by an outside party known as a... It, what is, shop stewards Sorry. there's shop stewards and then there's like neutral parties that's like a oh arbiter arbiter there's yep. an there's an arbiter I'm that kind arbitration. of arbitration <laughs> yeah so there's like there's an arbiter that kind of is a neutral party outside of the environment that has to come in and kind of weigh both sides and, and it's not just Starbucks saying okay well we saw you drinking on the job so like that's it that's your third strike and you're out there's an arbiter that has to come in and like investigate hear both sides like there's it's a like it, 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 yeah it's like court it, it's essentially like we would call it uh union court uh I, i've been a part of a, a few arbitrations uh i don't know if i'm allowed to speak about them but it's been so long i don't really give a shit at this point uh you're no longer part of union right I, I'm no well. I was on management, but I'm no longer part oh. of management. I'm no longer part of that company. So You're like, just doing your own thing. I, yeah. No masters. No masters. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's partly where the name comes from. Is 13 years of panic attacks. Anyways, uh, so uh, one of the situations, right? And this is kind of a funny, not funny, but like an interesting situation because it isn't an employee against the company. It was actually employee against employee. And so something to keep in mind is you have your union contract, which is like the rules and guidelines for your job. However, there's still going to be a company policy. The company policy should mirror and reflect the union policy, uh, but can also have a few additional things like, you know, uh, greet customers with a smile, you know, uh, generic safety things and whatnot, right? Uh, so you kind of have these two different worlds that exist. And one of like our, uh, you know, policies that wasn't in a union contract was a zero violence policy and also like zero tolerance for violence. Right. Uh, somebody had been late for a coffee fund, <laughs> coffee fund, right? Uh, for Folgers, they, they forgot to put their $5 in for Folgers that Bruh. week. And, uh, so he got accused on the spot, and next thing you know, they're swinging coffee mugs at each other's faces filled with hot coffee. Um, coffee fight. Yeah, coffee, hot coffee fight. The caffeine side wars. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, and it ended up with essentially two people who got physical, and then another person who jumped in to split them up. And almost all three of them lost their jobs, right? Because it went to no longer the union, it went to the company policy. However, 
the union was fighting to save them. Uh, the union was trying to prove that neither of them did it. The union was saying, you know, uh, it was a misunderstanding that nobody saw it. And everyone that was there, you know, said, I didn't see it. Uh, however, I was there and I was part of the dark side. And ultimately my, my testimony on that situation carried weight. Like, yeah, these two people got violent. One of them was actually a violent person who had been violent with people in the past and it had been documented and the union brushed it off and managed to fight the company and saying, no, you guys are mistaken, he's fine. Uh, ultimately, the person who broke the fight up, although he was suspended, he was brought back and the other two people were fired. So that, that went to arbitration. It almost took two and a half years. Uh, both the people that got in a fight were paid for six months at home. Uh, because of the union? Because there's a union and because they're not safe to be at work because they're violent individuals, uh, they're not allowed to be there. But because they have a union, while it's all being sorted out, they get to, you know, sit at home collecting nearly six figures as, you know, an electrician at home who literally swung a coffee mug at somebody else's face. Uh, I don't know in the long run if they, like, can take that money back if they're found, you know, not not or if they're found guilty, so to say. Um, but I'm pretty sure they just collect until the company separates with them. Um, yeah, two and a half year process. That's nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually had changed careers and had to get called back on that case. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting, right? It's just the, the union is this ultimate protection even if there's like bad people involved, so to say, people in the wrong, uh, that one person that doesn't carry their weight, that's like, what the heck? Uh, it was kind of like the popular thing in management. I didn't, I didn't go along with this or like supervisors, immediate supervisors who were non-union would essentially refer to all of their employees as slugs just yeah. because it's like, oh, they're all a bunch of slugs and they can get away with it because of the union. And I'm not even gonna lie, there is a, an extreme amount of just like neglect of work due to union protection, right? Like if you can get so away with worker, murder. Workers taking advantage of the fact that they're in, in a union? Yeah, yeah. And so w one of the biggest like uh, kind of like flipping points I had really when I was super pro union, I love unions. I love the fact that, you know, there's protection. I'm very blue collar. I'm from Chicago and like Chicago, you know, Wisconsin. Chicago. Yeah, they're, they're union cities, right? Like it, it's just this like uh, strong working class feel. Um, however, multiple times I had been, you know, assigned with people who are also union who don't do their job. So the burden would fall on me to do their job, even though we're peers, we're like union brothers, but they're like, I'm not gonna do this because I can get away with not doing this. And I'm just like, I can't not do it because I'm a pretty honest person. I like, I'm gonna, yeah, maybe sometimes do minimum, but I'm gonna at least do what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and yeah, so there's a lot of this like kind of weird conflict and it's like you don't go tell on them because they're your union brother. If I was to go say, hey, this person isn't working and I had to do all their work, I'm now going to have the entire union against me because I am reporting a person to the union. Therefore, the union will protect. And now if I as a person went to the union and said, hey, like I need you guys to help me. I'm doing all this work. They would literally tell me to slow down. 
I had been told to slow down by union employees multiple times while I was a union employee. I had been cornered in a locker room, said, hey, you need to slow the fuck down, show off. Like, uh, they think that we're going to get this done this fast. No, no, like, I'm only going to do two a day. Why'd you do 40? Like, don't set that pace. And this is this is from a guy who was, you know, twice my age. He's, like, in his 50s, like, late 50s at this point. Um, could have been my fucking dad pretty much, like, disciplining me in the corner in a locker room yelling at me. And I just laughed in his face because it's, like, here's this dude who's, like, twice my age telling me, like, no, don't have good work ethic, you know? And it's so, like, contrary to everything I grew up with where I had, like, an old man who's, like, just keep your mouth shut, ears open, and do your fucking job, you know? So, uh, that happened and it was kind of like the first strike against the union in my eyes where I'm like, Oh, maybe it's not the greatest thing. The real big time where it personally affected me, um, and the way it affected me was financially was there in the contracts, they talk about pay scale progressions, right? And our contract had expired. So they're signing a new contract in that new contract. There was language that would essentially make my pay scale change over the course of time. So the right before that contract was going to be ratified, uh, I was supposed to get a $7 an hour increase. I was supposed to hit A scale. I was supposed to go to the very top of it all. It was at the end of my five years there. And as soon as you complete five years, you're considered to be the top, almost like uh, how they have like linemen and apprentices and all that. It's like you become the, the journeyman or whatever, right? Uh, the top end of it. And so right before uh, I was supposed to hit it, they ratified the contract and it actually extended that to seven years. And there was me and two other people that were going to be affected by this. And when I say affected by this, I'm talking two years of $7 an hour. That's thousands of dollars. That's like a lot of fucking money, Uh, especially for an individual, not for a Fortune 500 company. And so we went to the union hall, uh, and we, we, which was very active at this time because they're doing the contract. So you, people would fill up and just kind of like, you know, chant and say like, hey, this is what we want. Yeah, union. Yeah, yeah, go Teamsters. Um, and so me and the other people, we showed up and finally got a moment to talk where it was like, hey, can we talk about grandfathering, you know, these people who are supposed to hit that pay scale? Like, yeah, change it to seven years for all these new employees coming in that sign under that contract. But when I was hired, I was signed under a contract with these terms. And like I said, thousands of people just laughed at me in this union hall. They literally were like, why do we give a shit about you like two or you three, you know? Um, I've been with the company for 30 years. I've been up and down. Why would we care about you? It wasn't like a, hey, we'll see, we'll try or anything like that. It was like, why do you think y'all deserve it? Uh, and that was really like, that, that was a blow to me because it's like here we have allegedly thousands of brothers who are supposed to support you. Uh, there's three people who really could financially gain from this situation a lot where it's like, hey, you know, $15,000, $17,000 over the course of three years. So like we're talking like almost $70,000, $60,000, uh, especially with overtime and all the other things that get included in that. Uh, that's just gone. Right. So very, very significant financial impact. Um, and rather than being all for it, they're just like, no, you know, we don't care. Uh, but 
simultaneously you're gonna you know fight to save the guys who are fighting each other you're going to give people the empowerment to tell other people fuck you go fuck yourself constantly you're gonna do all these sorts of things to protect people yet when it came to you know three people with fi like a financial situation which had been done in the past too we, we weren't going there with like this crazy dream of like you know being grandfathered there's all sorts of examples of people being grandfathered for uh, their time, their uh, you know financial compensation, uh, days off, etc. All these different situations. So um, yeah, so it was an interesting, weird blow, and that, that's also uh, when I made the decision to go to the dark side. I was like, fuck it, if the company or the union's not going to pay me this much, I could literally just transfer over, become a supervisor, and make that money instantly. Yeah. Uh, and I did. <laughs> yeah, so I can imagine how it hurt getting told on a grandfather clause that, I mean, from your from your point of view, this side of the, the story, it sounds completely fair to be like, you know, I was signed under a certain, I signed for a certain amount of time or, or a certain bonus after a certain amount of time. And now that we've amended the contract, right before I, I reached that time, I'm no longer entitled to it. So it was a brand new contract. It wasn't even amended. It was like yeah. full on vote for a new contract, et cetera. Wow. And we, the wild part is, is like we're talking to the people who are writing that contract, right? And the, the, the they hadn't even gone to negotiations yet. And we're like, hey, can you do this? And they were just like, no. They wouldn't even consider it. Even yeah, after so it wasn't even like we were talking to a company yet. And it was never even mentioned to the company, and we weren't allowed to bring it to the company, right? Because it's the union uh, chief stewards that are taking care of that sort of thing, almost like the CEOs of the union, so to say. Yeah. You know, the businessmen, the suit and tie guys, the people who are collecting an electrician's pay, yet just flying around eating steak dinners and meeting with VPs from the airline. and Writing everything off as business expenses? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's insane. Like, <laughs> you weren't even, or you were laughed at very literally yep. while the whole time you have been you had been paying your union dues and i for people who are currently listening that might not know the system maybe you can explain that because that's a system that i've i'm newer to and reading you know trying to do my homework on this is that everyone who's part of a union you're paying you're allowing a certain amount of your paycheck to go to pay into the union which a quote i got from an article earlier was like ten dollars 84 cents a week for workers working 25 hours or more if you work 25 or less than 25 hours a week your union dues are like five dollars 84 cents whatever it was something similar so yeah while being a paying member of this group of this herd so to say to be told no on something that you felt like you were entitled to is kind of insane yeah yeah and uh it definitely gave animosity there i remember uh one of the, the chief stewards, he like came in for his one day of work that week because they, they, they would actually work, but it was about one day a week. Um, but a majority of the other time, they were just, like I said, out, you know, eating steak dinners and bullshit like that. So he came in and I just remember looking at him and being like, I pay your salary and you don't do shit for me. And just walking away. Um, and the guy just laughed because usually that's kind of like, you know, this very entitled chief steward who gets away with whatever he wants at that point um, doesn't really care unless it's going to uh, challenge his financial livelihood, right? So, yeah, it's weird. I think uh, every every person, every single like business that has over like 50 employees should be unionized because 
all these companies that exist, all these Fortune 500 companies, all these massive fast food chains, all the different grocery stores that exist, etc., uh, they exploit all their workers, right? We, we always talk about a living wage, trying to get towards a living wage. Um, going back to what you're saying about dues is, yeah, you, you end up paying into these different groups. Yeah, can you talk about, like, your very literal experience in paying dues and, like, what that meant for you? Uh, I want to say... Paycheck to paycheck? Yeah, it, it was just uh, auto-deducted from paychecks, right? Okay. Uh, I want to say my monthly dues were 49 maybe, or $45, on a month at a full-time like 40 hours a week yeah yeah and i don't know if there's a i'm sure the federal labor board um which i start or federal labor labor relations board which i got very familiar with after you talked to me about this and started reading more uh sets sort of like a you know x amount of salary or x amount of pay or x amount per week is the legal limit um but yeah so you pay the money you get a card and it just auto deducts from your paycheck. Uh, once I became a supervisor, it was still auto deducting from my check and the union ended up owing me like $90. Uh, I don't think I ever got that back. I asked for it, showed it, hey, I showed the, my company, oh, I'm no longer a union, you can't auto deduct this. And they said, oh, well, you're gonna have to work with the union to get it back and try talking to the union. And it's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, maybe and just kind of like this vague correspondence and not actually knowing who to talk to to get my money back um, without spending, I don't know, an entire day's worth of driving around and going to the union hall and emails and just talking to people, et cetera, where it's like, oh, maybe I'll just lose this $40, you know? Yeah. like, uh, Yeah, so it, it's, I mean, it's fairly simple as it goes through that. Uh, I think I still have my union card, if I'm not mistaken, like tucked away somewhere, uh, which they say you're supposed to like burn or get rid of as soon as you're non-union. As uh, a rite of passage? Yeah, yeah. I think that that union card specifically would get me into like museums for discounts oh, on shit. certain days and shit like that. Like they're like, oh, you're a Teamsters, like come on in. Damn. Uh, it's Tuesday at 4 p.m. You're free. Come on. Yeah. But... I, there, there is some good things to say about the union too. Um, in 2008, I had been working for the company for six months and was in 2008, there was the big financial crisis and collapse, et cetera, that led to massive amounts of layoffs. Uh, being a new employee, I was easily put on that list. And it was exactly six months after I had started, which meant I had passed my probation and that meant I was an actual unionized employee. So that's a whole other thing, right? Is there's a grace period of when you're hired, you're not automatically inducted into the union. It's like you have a month of kind of like, uh, I don't even know what to say. Like, just like, yeah, good luck. Hopefully you're, you're, you know, equipped to handle management. And then if you get through that month without fucking up, then the union will protect you. Um, but before that, they call it like probation or 60 days, 90 days, et cetera. Um, my, mine was six months. That was the, kind of the standard. And so I get this layoff notice and it's like, let's see, I got hired March 23rd, 2008. And my layoff notice was for October 5th, uh, 2008. So like six months and two weeks, right? And because of those two weeks, that meant I was an actual union employee, which meant the union then came to me right as I was getting laid off. They filled out all of my unemployment with me and pretty much for me. 
they hooked me up with uh, a bunch of different options for jobs within the trades that I was uh, currently active in. They uh, also gave me callback rights and put me on a list essentially saying that the company cannot hire anyone off the street until they give me a phone call and offer me a job first, right? So uh, that, that, that's cool, that's super cool, right? Uh, because here I am like trying to make a livelihood and due to circumstances beyond my control, the company has to let me go. Um, but because it's beyond my control, that also means the company has to bring me back before they can bring anyone else back. Whoa. Yeah. So and that that rule is in place because of a union, whereas if you were not a union employee, they could just ditch you. Like, it sounds like I'm noticing the similarities with what happened with the pandemic and coffee shops just ditching people. Like a lot of the big names in L.A. just kind of said overnight people found out they didn't have a job anymore and it's like after that now i go into those same coffee shops where i used to work and i'm just like who the fuck is that like yeah there's like a a whole new crew what happened so it's like and if these workers had been unionized it sounds like that wouldn't have happened because they would have been they would have gone back to the older employees and had been like liable to offer them their positions back yep so check this out right uh i i was laid off due to covid uh, a lot of people were right. Uh, <laughs> this is 2020. It is September, and I knew it was coming. They're, they were talking about a thirty percent reduction in force. So for a company of ninety thousand, that means you know cutting at least thirty thousand heads. Uh, and because of you know union versus non-union and all the like uh, shoots and ladders for union stuff versus the non-union, they just went straight up for all the non-union employees because it's so much easier to just get rid of them uh, at an at-will employed basis versus get rid of them through the union and then have to have all these different levels of like bring them back, do that, do this. Oh, these people are going to be on call. So I get laid off due to COVID. We don't need to go into all that. Uh, And as I'm getting laid off, I'm actually offered by the union my old job back (laughs) because it's still part of this like, oh, you worked as part of the union for five years. So it's going to take X amount of time for you to lose that seniority, but you always will have those five years with it. Um, And so if there's anybody with less than five years that is part of the union, I could technically bump them out and become a union employee again as a mechanic, as an electrician, because I already had done that and put it in time. Uh, but fuck that because, you know, being laid off during COVID was the biggest blessing of my life. Yeah. <laughs> to a lot of people it was. I mean, yeah. myself included, honestly. Well, oh. not technically laid off, but yeah. 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 Damn. So like, I don't know, I guess to take it back to, um, to get back to pay and things like that um, and schedule hours. So something I've noticed, you know, from my, my experience at Starbucks, I guess that's the main focus, the business in question here is, you know, for myself, it was just like I've, like I've already said, just trying to survive. So I was like, open availability. I'll work whatever hours you want. Just make sure I have work because I need a paycheck to survive. So, you know, I, I was like, to a certain degree, exploited for my need to make as much money as I can for myself. And I think a lot of, you know, individuals who, like myself, have moved out here to Los Angeles on by themselves and, like, had to make sure that their bank account literally just had enough money to pay bills and 
buy soap and rent. essentials. Yeah, rent and <laughs> you know, like just money to survive, like survival money. You yeah, know? you don't, you can't say no to shit. But so, there's like people that were like working, like or were doing school or had other jobs or had children that you know they they have a certain availability, and if you know. Workplace drama happens And so and so doesn't get along with the manager Or like you know Worker A and worker B Or partner A and partner B don't really get along So they schedule them differently Or if like I've seen instances Of management retaliation where Oh like so and so had Had a really like Harsh like Moment with the manager During like one drive through Morning so Therefore, the next weekend, they'd be like, yo, like, Daniel, like, I can't, guess what boss did? They gave me, they put me, they only gave me 15 hours this week. So you're literally taking someone's livelihood away because of drama that happened. But I guess, like, from your experience, like, and in going forward with, as Starbucks begins to unionize, as more and more stores begin to unionize, it sounds like we'll see less of these instances happening where management is just allowed to, at will, do whatever the hell they want and just like dock someone's livelihood make someone's life way harder take someone's ability to pay their bills feed their children away because of a snarky comment or something like or, that or, or even the flip end of it too with favoritism where it's like oh they're yeah. friends on the outside so this person like, gets the hours they want yeah more hours or it's the the good co the good partners oh yeah so and so is really good at drive through so and so is the fastest bar we have so i give them 38 hours a week because they do the most and i they're reliable whereas like a union setting that wouldn't really happen everyone True. would be entitled to a fair amount of hours so so one thing i did want to mention is being part of the union is that uh yeah sick time days off all of that gets so well protected there is a bid um so like working as a a, a mechanic i knew on january 1st whether or not i would have the next new year's eve off I would have my entire schedule for that year in front of me at the beginning of the year. And that's just how it was. Now, I understand with like, you know, fast food. It's not realistic. For yeah, a lot of exactly. It's not, it's not realistic whatsoever in the turnover and all that sort of thing. However, um, you know, you put your day in or day off in, it's protected. You work and you accrue sick time, right? So it's like uh, every, I, I forget it, like, 400 hours so like 100 days worked or something like that is like that then equals uh an eight hour day off through your sick pay bank right so that's like you know paid sick time that's how that gets generated and it's weird because i come from i worked at a little caesars i worked at a waffle house i I worked at different places that are very you know similar to like a starbucks sort of uh uh, you know, customer service, sort of front of the house sort of thing, right? Uh, and I always had this, like, I don't know, great work ethic that would challenge me when I was actually sick to the point where I would, like, call my dad, right? That was the thing I would do because he was kind of, like, the ultimate, like, put the, the fist down, like, you got to just work, put your nose down kind of person. And if I was really sick, I'd call him and be like, hey, I'm sick today just to hear him say like, oh man, you sound like shit to validate me on calling out, right? Otherwise I had this like extreme amount of guilt, didn't want to do it and was afraid I might lose my job or be retaliated against or whatever the situation is. I carried that habit into being a union employee and I started getting laughed at because it's like, 
hey man, you don't even need to take your sick time if you're not, like you can take your sick time if you're not sick, just call in sick, it's fine. You know, like you have that time, you earn that time. If you need a day off for mental health or whatever, just take it, you know, it's fine. Um, oh, you, you have bronchitis, like please don't show up to work. Take your sick time, it's there for you. Uh, you have family emergencies. They started this whole thing uh, in the union contract called P PCL time, personal convenience leave which is like, oh, I'm moving this week, I need a week off, and it's a paid 40 hours, just throughout the course of the year. Uh, mind you, the, the contract for the people that I worked with was very generous, had a lot of cool things in it, um, really looked at the quality of life of people. And yes, the job was low turnover, it was career, most people had been there for 15 years plus and were planning on being there and retiring through it. So it's kind of like, it's different dynamics, not gonna work for every setting. Um, but you do look at all these little boosts to the quality of life and the protection. And I can tell you that, you know, once I kind of had that anxiety wear down, it was such a nice feeling being like sick and not worrying and just calling in being like, hey, I'm sick. You know, I'll let you know if I'm good tomorrow. Um, and then knowing exactly like, okay, I have three days that I can call off before I have to go to a doctor and get a doctor's note. And it's all still just fine. You know, it's fine. If the doctor says yeah, I can return to work, I return to work. The doctor says, hey, you might be contagious for a week, take a week off, show them the note. And that note is law and it's fine. And there's nothing they can do about it. I'm not gonna be retaliated against. When I get come back, my hours aren't gonna change. It's still gonna be the 40 hours I had before. Um, no one's gonna even bat an eye. And it, because everyone's a part of this system, it's like, you know, no one's really judging each other for the most part. There's definitely a few employees that would exploit the system as much as possible. Um, like, oh, bragging about, hey, I'm gonna take, you know, the next three weeks off all sick time because I saved it up and going on this vacation. Uh, it was so far as the point that the company is like, you're not allowed to uh, travel by air if you're calling out sick because people would literally call out sick and then use their flight benefits through the airline to go to Hawaii and shit. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 I don't know, there's there's two ends of it, but for somebody like me who like constantly had this like anxiety um, about, you know, financial uh, retaliation or hours, et cetera, it's like, you're safe, you're safe. And it, it's such a, a weight lifted off your shoulders. Uh, so I wanted to mention that, but another thing I really wanted, quickly wanted to mention is like you said, like, yeah, as more of these places for Starbucks specifically uh, unionize. One of the things I find really interesting is uh, that the National Labor Board hasn't actually done what they call like the secret ballots yet. So if a company shows that it wants to have a union or begins to unionize in certain location, it is the National Labor Board's responsibility to create a secret ballot um, in uh, conjunction with the union that's starting to go out to all the employees. Um, I'm pretty sure that they should be doing this at this point, um, but I'm also pretty sure that Starbucks has enough uh, like lobbying power to prevent that from happening. I don't really know the ins and outs of this, and I'm trying to educate myself on it, but it, um, it's kind of like, what the fuck? It should be there. Like people are starting to do it. Um, I watched this like, I don't know, uh, propaganda video from the CEO of Starbucks being like, oh, don't unionize, don't unionize. Like, yeah, we're, partners, video we're, we're, we're partners, we're partners, we're partners. It's on Twitter, please They're trying to it. ruin us. And like, it, it, it's it, it's interesting because it's like the it's the classic move of when a company is about to unionize. It's like, we're all partners and we love you and we're gonna actually pay attention to you now that you're actually crying. Um, when it's like, no, it's just as quote, they don't give a fuck about you and they're scared that you're gonna actually really protect yourselves now. Uh, 
But there's such a, a massive amount of interest that Starbucks employees have, I think. Um, maybe not across the board, but I can guarantee that there's like multiple people at most locations that are interested. And if not, it's probably a little bit about like an education gap or just like not knowing what's going on, right? So I'm sure there's a handful of stores that literally they don't even know that people are becoming Starbucks unions, right? Like they're probably trying to keep that down. Um, but I think it's when there's over 30% of the company is interested, it has to happen. And the National Labor Board has to support it and organize and orchestrate that. Uh, what is the what do these secret ballots do? So it's essentially, uh, the, the, they have to do, be a secret ballot because they can't have the company issuing obviously like this pro or anti-union ballot type of thing and simultaneously it, it's almost uh if it hasn't been established yet you can't expect the non-established to do it right does that make sense so it's like there's kind of this union that's starting it started in a couple stores where everyone's on board um but it, it really can't be their responsibility to make starbucks unionized maybe just their stores um however it is the national labor board's uh, responsibility to recognize that these stores did it and that there is a, a interest throughout the entire company and that these secret ballots need to go out. That is uh, how unions form. Uh, I think it's there is a statistic I read that's like 98% of all union employees were hired on and became a union employee, meaning only 2% of the employees were a part of a company that became union. It's very rare in, in, in like modern times for unions to just form. Um, and I think part of it has to do with lobbying, fucking politics, uh, the National Labor Board uh, being in the pockets of like conservatives who essentially are people that run these big fucking companies that exploit all their workers. And so it's like, yeah, if I give this person a little bit of extra money, maybe they're not going to actually do the secret ballots or maybe they're not going to see the 30% of the company that needs it because it's too hard to document it because of turnover rates or some bullshit. When it's like, this is a very clear cut thing. It's a very good thing. These people are being exploited. They need protection, right? Um, I'll say it again, any big company that has more than like 50 employees should be union to protect their employees. There needs to be a, a mediator between the company and these people. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of people who are like, oh, well that's gonna like stipend growth and oh, that's gonna like challenge people to actually try hard and do things and whatnot. And it's like, I, I, I've seen the examples of it, um, but also I know what it's like to be stressed and anxious and a good worker due to a company that just exploits. And I can almost guarantee more times than not, the company is exploiting the fucking workers more so than people are taking advantage of a union contract. There's obviously so many fucking unions that exist. Sorry if I'm starting to curse now, but it's where I start getting a little like blood boiling, right? There's so many unions that exist and are successful and do well. And yes, there's like documentation to show that uh, it costs money and it, it slows down production. Um, but if we look at like what we've accomplished through unions over a century or whatnot, it is so, so significant to every, you know, middle class, lower class, working class person. It, I, I, I can't, I, I can't find the, you know, anecdotes of bad individuals taking advantage of a union or a fucking multi-billion dollar company, you know, losing a little bit of money to be as significant as a person's quality of life that is working, you know, 30 to 40 hours a week just to make ends meet. And that's ultimately what it is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Damn. Damn. Well, I guess to wrap it up, <clears throat> you know, 
I invited my social or my Instagram channel to if there was any partners, but no one reached back. So, I mean, if, if you were to like talk, I mean, hopefully there's Starbucks partners that are, you know, pro union right now listening. And I appreciate you and want you to know that you're seen and heard and your efforts are definitely valued. Um, if you were to speak to any of them, I guess to really boil it down into like some simple advice, what would you, what would you like to say to them? Uh, you know, stand strong with it. Um, obviously like really forcing it down people's throats is never a good thing. Um, but stand strong with it, uh, educate yourself on it and educate others. You know, it's all about kind of like this education thing, I think where, um, you know, people know. I can't see a reason why not, but also, you know, I don't personally know an active Starbucks partner and would love to actually have this conversation with them, uh, just to see what their inputs are around it all. Uh, yeah, but keep with it. Education, learn about it and help others learn about it. You know? Yeah. Put it on TikTok. Fuck it. That's where, that's where the eyeballs are. Yeah. Yeah. That's been sick. I mean, not to digress, but We've been <laughs> parked outside Cafecito Organico in Silver Lake. What'd you think of the coffee? <laughs> Always good. Always bomb. Good. Always Dude, bomb. their espresso is bomb. I mean, for people who don't know, it's on Silver Lake. We're on, uh, what is this? Um, Hoover? Hoover and Emojin. I don't know. There's a lot of cool shit. Courage Bagels, Jewel, full service coffee. Shout out Gila. That's down the street. A lot of cool shit around here. Yeah. Cafecito has been one of my, my favorites since I, I moved out here. It's yeah, like. Dude. Uh, it's like a weird handshake between second wave and third wave where it's like we're not too cool. Um, our prices are affordable and the coffee is good. Yeah, like, you know, I, I was standing right there at that uh, next to the service window. I ordered a Spro, blueberry muffin, potato taco. Uh, the crowd here is like kind of interesting. Just like here a lot of, there's like some touristy, there's like, you know, it's a middle ground between Silver Lake and kind of Hollywood. So it's kind of just hidden in the way here, but just off the freeway. I guess that's what makes it a popular spot. Yeah. Well, and, and it's been been one of the, like, I feel like flagships for coffee that's, yeah. like, local to L.A., not, like, Lachlan or Intelligentsia or, yeah. like, any of these, like, you know, uh, Bay Area transplants, Portland transplants, yeah. etc. It's, like, a, one of the OG L.A. coffee spots. Yeah. Uh, and the cold brew is so fucking good. It's wow. it's pure. It's clean. Yeah, for it's people cr- who don't know, Bobby's a cold brew type of food. Whereas like me, like I'm all espresso all day. Like that's interesting. Yep. I always kind of notice that dynamic. But I, I wish that there was uh, pour overs. <laughs> you, yeah, if Bobby could <laughs> change the world of uh, the coffee industry, it would be all cold brew and pour over all day. Only black, no and, cream, no sugar. And if it was me, it would be espresso all day yeah single origins no blends (laughs) yeah now i'm all for blends honestly well it's got to be the right blend getting there yeah learning the blendography or what is it blendery yeah definitely so uh obviously you've been featured in the issue two of caffeine aside magazine which anyone listening please caffeineaside.com it's free for digital viewing um the link is on my instagram page please reach out what you thought about it. I worked really hard. Issue two took over a year to complete. Um, tell people where to find you on social media or talk about plug no masters or whatever you want to do. Yeah. So, uh, after transitioning out of the 13 years of electrician and mechanical work at the airlines started no masters coffee, uh, pretty much it says it in its name. I got sick of having a boss. 
but there's also kind of a different level to it too where I think within the coffee world there are no masters everyone is like together learning um, and my goal with no masters is making specialty coffee affordable and accessible because my biggest qualm probably with the coffee industry now is you are paying more for your packaging than the actual coffee beans what a shame yeah yeah no masters on instagram nomasterscoffee.com yeah where can we find you in uh retail uh over at sarah's market uh over at the village mart in delhi otherwise Wait, where are those spots at <laughs> both of them uh, east la city terrace and essentially just around like boyle heights uh lincoln heights area okay and then popping up all around la and sometimes the oc and just around catch but, me catch me at a rave or a punk show or <laughs> with the lavender cold brew or with the lavender cold brew yeah. the standard if i showed up without yeah. it people be pissed yeah if someone needs a bag do you do delivery at home delivery is a big yeah. deal these days free free delivery all around la plus um, tip gas is you know gas is coming down but it's still <laughs> yeah i'm i'm starting to hit that, you, you that drive, financial we, <laughs> we both drive prius though but like that doesn't mean the gas is i'm supposed to tell them that part <laughs> i know it's, Priuses are cool. They are. They are very cool. But yeah, Pri Prius, free delivery around LA. Priuses and <laughs> baristas kind of go hand in hand, I feel like, for some reason. The, the smug. <laughs> and books and stick and poke tattoos and trendiness. You would think we're both wearing skinny jeans and baseball caps. Yeah, no. Well, I'm wearing the skinny jeans. Bobby's wearing the baseball cap. It's fucking hot. We're in my car. We've been boiling hot. But um, caffeineaside.com, caffeineaside on Instagram. Appreciate you. Love you guys. Shout out the union workers, the Starbucks partners, my old store, 10626 Bellflower. I love you guys. And, um, and, and I just want to clear the air real quick. I don't think y'all are fast food employees. I do think you're coffee workers. I think that Starbucks itself is like ran like a fast food. Starbucks place. is a fast food bank. I, that's a whole other thing whole, I, I've heard yeah. is Starbucks is operated like a it's bank. It's secretly a bank. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but that's a whole other hour. But thank y'all. We appreciate you guys. Peace. Thank you for listening. Nos vemos.